Farmers is the place to be. Farm living is the life for me. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. And I am Kyle Bolin. <laughs> and I'm Jason Cavallari. Uh, thank you. And today we are going to be talking about Agricola. Yes, get that's your why we. On. That's why we did the farm thing because we're farming today. It's a farm themed night day. What, <laughs> today's the morning, actually. Oh my gosh, this is throwing me off, Jason. We're recording on the opposite end of the day spectrum. I know it's light out. What the heck? Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, weirdo. Light. What's that thing <laughs> in the sky making my eyes hurt? Um, do you get allergic smelling hay? I, <laughs> uh, the Manhattan is the life for no. no. Um, <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Agricola is a Euro game designed by Uwe Rosenberg. Maybe you've heard of him. Art by Clemens Franz. It plays between one and five players and between thirty and one hundred and fifty minutes, according to Board minutes. Game Geek. Yeah, I, I imagine that's if you're playing a solo game. Oh, probably. Because they do have, like, you know, solo rules, quotation fingers. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, which basically just means play by yourself. Go for the score. They don't really have, like, any, like, very, you know, like, it's not a well-thought-out sort of, like, solitaire game or anything like that, like a lot of other games have. Even yeah. even uh, Feast for Odin, another Uwe Rosenberg game, has, I think, better uh, solitaire rules than this game does, so... I'll just say that up at the top. It says you can play it by yourself, just like you can play pretty much any Euro game by yourself that doesn't require direct interaction with other players. Right. Yeah. So, uh, we have been talking for the last week about uh, older games and seeing how they hold up, and we decided that the second game we would look at is Agricola, the game that dethroned our previous game, Puerto Rico, off of the board game geek number one spot on the... The, the top games list, basically, there on, on Board Game Geek. Yeah, the hotness. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Agricola, I, I remember it dethroning it in 2008, but maybe it was 2007. It says that Agricola is from 2007, but I, I, that must have been the European release, because I swear I remember getting this game in 2008. Yeah. Uh, I had pre-ordered it, so I got, like, that special first edition that came with like the animeeples before they came with all of the copies oh, that's and cool. and it also came with the z deck which is like a special additional like promotional deck from z-man yeah. games when they yeah. were the ones producing it because uh, now they've there's a revised version out that's uh produced by mayfair games and, and distributed by mayfair i see so, mine is z-man too but i don't have the animeeples mine are just discs right yeah so yours was the the normal production copy after the pre-orders that happened when they brought it over to the states initially yeah. in that first yeah. print run so yeah i'd kind of like gotten in on the hype on the internet that you know that the proto internet or whatever from the 2006s 2007s whatever <laughs> from the and, aughts. Uh, yeah right and uh and 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 jumped in on at that point as a pre-order so i got the animeeples early uh and yeah so no cubes for me uh i wish i, I did, had the animeeples they still give you like discs for the uh the produce and stuff so like your uh, your corn or whatever your hay or whatever it is you're growing the yellow disc is the grain uh, the grain, yeah, and then the uh, the vegetables are just little orange discs. Orange discs so right. yeah, we didn't. There was no like shaped uh, produce or anything like that, which I believe they have that now in the in the current versions of the game. Oh. Uh, so Agricola is another one of them. Their action selection games we've talked so much about. Yeah, we've done quite a few of these now. I mean, it's become a pretty common uh, mechanic. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we talked about Puerto Rico sort of does that, where you select an action. That action then would be available to everybody. In this case, Agricola is one of the games where you uh, choose an action, and then that action is only available to you for that round uh, until everybody pulls their pieces off the board, and then those actions are available again to just about anybody. Right, Um, and over time, the number of actions you have available increases. Yeah. As opposed to Puerto Rico, where they're static. Right, or uh, the Salem... Salem game we played where it's just, you know, like the the five choices you can make there for the entire game. Oh, right. Yeah. It's more than that. I'm exaggerating. I thought you were going to argue more. with me anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, um, it's, it's not it's an important pretty, point. It's yeah, I know it's 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 a it's a much more uh, select number of things. And so like there's there's sort of like a, uh, um, uh, you know, there's there's a limitation in the number of things that you can pick from. I'm not coming up with uh, big words today in this morning, so my vocabulary sucks. Uh, anyway, so Agricola, you are trying to basically build up the best farm you can in a sort of like post-Black Plague European world. Uh, so the idea here is like all of a sudden like um, farming is coming back into vogue and we can do that again without everybody dying from whatever, you know, rats or whatever we're causing everybody to die. <laughs> Apparently this is the sequel to Radis. I thought about that earlier today. <laughs> Uh, right, the yeah, lore. the plague ravages Europe, and now we have to rebuild. And there now we, we need pigs. So, <laughs> build them pens, boy. Uh, so, you start out with a two-room cottage. Uh, you, it's just you and your wife. You've got two people. Uh, they, they are the basically your actions that you can... The number of actions that you have is equivalent to the number of people in your family. You put those discs that represent your people onto the actions that you were selecting each round, and then you get to do those things, which might be like, get wood from the wood supply, or get reed from the reed supply, or take a sheep home. <laughs> yeah take the sheep home yeah uh build fences with the wood uh get an occupation uh yeah. build build a structure like all kinds of stuff there's all kinds of stuff that helps you basically improve your ability to um get more things in this game to do things more efficiently uh it basically allows you to fill up your board which is important for end game scoring um yeah you get so- scored it's effect- yeah effectively like the way you win the game is by having the best score and you get points by uh having a lot of stuff <laughs> so you if you have like a lot of grains and vegetables um if you have a lot of animals if you've upgraded your dwelling to the highest it can be and if you get more rooms in it more rooms are worth more points um you know family members the more family members you have are worth more points and the really the only downsides the only negatives are if you uh reach the end of a round and you can't feed every member of your family you get negative points for that um and if you have unused spaces on your plot of land you get negative points for that yeah i think you also have negative points at the end if you don't have like a pig or you don't have oh a right sheep. yeah like the so, number of points you have determines on how uh, depends on how many of a thing you have right right they become increasingly more valuable the more you have to a point um there's like a point where all of a sudden like anything over like say eight of like sheep is not worth any additional points or anything right, but yeah. um but also you need to have something of everything right you want to cover as much of your farm plot as possible and you also want to have at least one of just about every resource in the game by the end of the game otherwise that's also negative points uh you know for like each thing that you're missing yeah. uh so you're really trying to use these actions to you know cover all your bases but at the same time try to get ahead of the other people in certain areas where you think you'll be able to outscore them by the end of the game right yeah um and a lot of times it's not it's not as simple as like you know put your worker on the spot that gives you uh, a vegetable, and then you you know try and use that vegetable to make more vegetables. Like like no, you have to actually like 
plow a field first yeah and then you have to get the vegetable and then you have to sow the vegetable and those are three separate actions yeah so, so the, basically yeah. it's exactly like real farming right yeah i mean it's sort of laborious <laughs> <laughs> um and that's that's kind of how it works for for everything like you know if you if you want to add another member to your family well you have to have another room on your house in order to have the family and if you want to get the room you need to get the wood and the reeds to build the room um and so on so i so there's forever whatever goal it is that you want there's usually at least three or four steps before that mm-hmm. um that you have to take in order to get there yeah it feels like one of those games where you're going to excel when you're thinking three or four steps ahead by you know being able to plan all those steps out and you know maybe outthink your opponent as well like what what do i expect them to take so which thing can i kind of like go for that i think they'll probably avoid or that i can snipe from them if i get an opportunity to go before them basically yeah so that kind of becomes part of the strategy but also i feel like when you know this is one of those games where i feel like when my thing gets taken it's frustrating but i still feel like i can take something else that is of value there's always like two or three things that i need on any given turn so you know like if i really need that wood to make the fences to bring those sheep home but jocelyn gets there before me i still feel like well okay that really sucks i was really hoping i could get that because that's what i wanted but you know what if i get this like pile of food over here that's been piling up i don't need to worry about food by the end of the round so that's one thing that i can just like you know now put on the back burner until the next round Um, i feel the same way until like the end of the game yeah it gets real tight there it does because at the end of the game i feel like everybody's become somewhat specialized and there's like that that one thing you want in order to get those few extra points you need because the end of the game is coming real soon Mm -hmm. um and then it's like if somebody takes the thing that you need you can't do the other two or three things you need to to get those points because you needed to do that step first and then you're kind of screwed yeah, that can happen. I mean, it can also happen where you become so specialized by the end of the game that your paths have diverged to the point where you're just going for different things. And there's enough stuff out on the board by the end of the game that that can totally happen, right? Like, there's yeah. enough variety uh, and enough breadth of things available to you by the end of the game that people can be on their own little path and not crisscrossing anymore. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. So um, there's all kinds of different ways that this game can go. Like, it never really feels like I've played the same game twice, even though you're still doing, like, the core stuff He's doing all of the same stuff every time. Like when we talk about Feast for Odin, it's like, I'm going to do whaling this time and just completely ignore, you know, like trading, uh, you know, items up for, you know, more valuable items or whatever. You know, you're just going to go and raid mm-hmm. that stuff, you know. Yeah. And so like a, a, that game can feel different each time you play it in terms of like the the choices you're making and the mechanics and the actual goals that you're going after. In this game, you're going after the same goal, but it kind of feels to me like how I get there. Um, and how the other players sort of like throw curveballs at me while I'm doing that, it, it tends to feel different each time. I don't feel like like in Puerto Rico where I'm just like playing out a script every time or anything like that. Yeah, it's true. But at the same time, I mean, you in order to be sort of successful at the game, you have to eventually have covered all the bases. You do, yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Um, I, I just feel like this game, I, I feel like the way that the players interact early game and, and force each other to kind of like take different, different starting paths in the early game make Mm -hmm. it so that it doesn't feel exactly the same every time and i feel like there's enough paths available to you even in that early game that it stays interesting and doesn't feel scripted the way that we were talking about puerto rico can kind of feel right yeah yeah 
I mean, um, also, if you play with, like, the full rules and you're playing with occupation cards and... Uh, and the you know, minor improvements. Yeah, the minor improvements, then that can change things up quite a bit because there's, you know, hundreds of cards in the game that can change the way that the game works mechanically for you in, in yeah. all kinds of different ways. Yeah, it's true. I the, So the game comes with, like, a quote-unquote family version that leaves out uh, minor improvements and occupations as parts of the game. So you just Which completely is- ignore those. And it's great for teaching the game to somebody new and just teaching them the oh, yeah. mechanics of, like, you know, uh, action selection and all that. And, and it's still a fun game. But if that's all you had, then it would also grow stale, I think, in the way that Puerto Rico might or, you know, like lots of other limited action selection games would sort start to feel formulaic after, mm-hmm. like, you know, three, four, five, six, seven plays. Yeah. Uh, but the, the decks in this game can change things significantly. So I think that's where this game gets uh, sort of like its real legs from. Right, yeah. So uh so what do you think do you still enjoy playing this game? I do. Yeah. Uh yeah. so Puerto Rico was still enjoyable um but it still kind of felt a little dated and it still kind of felt like something that I wasn't excited to play. Like you know the next day I wasn't like, "Hey, I'd really like to get Puerto Rico out again." You know, it was good. It was fine. Um this one like the next day I was like, "I kind of want to play Agricola again." You know, like it, it kind of got its hooks back in me even though this is a 12-year-old <laughs> game. Uh, even though it also is a little bit antiquated in terms of like you know modern game design, although I kind of feel like this game is sort of like was sort of one of the the granddaddies of modern game design in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like like a lot of games that have iterated on Puerto Rico or iterated on Agricola don't feel that much different from Agricola. I feel like Agricola can still hang, and so. Yeah, like that next day, I was sort of like, I'd play Agricola again, and Jocelyn was like, I don't think so, not not again, you know. Um, but I I could do it, you know. Like this is a game that 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 definitely has staying power for me personally. Uh, it's a beautiful game to look at. It's got you know nice vibrant colors, really nice pieces. The production quality is really good. The rule set still works really well for me. I, it keeps me interested. Um, I find it very satisfying to pull things off. I find it frustrating, but in a fun way when things don't go the right way. And mm-hmm. playing with those decks. Which, you know, I don't always play with them because I'm often teaching the game to new people. So every time I play with the decks, I'm like, oh, God, this game's got some depth to it now. You know, this game is fun. Um, yeah. and, and there's variety in between each time you play the game because those decks are so varied. I mean, I've got, like, four decks of different types of cards and, and like, you know, like sort of, like, different amounts of complexity in those decks and everything in that box. So there's a lot to experience there, and I've had this game forever now. And there's still a ton of stuff in there I've never even seen in terms of the cards, at least. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um so when we did our uh top ten games of all time list, like this this was on my list. Yeah. Um was it on yours too? I don't remember. No, I don't think it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh so I you know, and this is the first time I've played it since we did that episode, and um and I'm still kinda convinced that it's it's one of my top ten games. Like I, I really enjoy playing it. Yeah. Um although this time around I did notice some things that I um that didn't really stand out to me before. And I don't know if it's just because I was thinking about it, like playing ahead of the podcast and trying to think about, you know, what kinds of things I'd talk about. But there were a couple of things that I was like, oh, maybe I don't enjoy that so much, but I still like the game overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for example, like I, in this game, I feel like whoever has the first player token has a pretty big advantage mm-hmm. um, because the entire, you know, action selection board is available to them. Um, yeah. And so they can get at least one thing that they really want to do that turn, where sometimes if you're not the first player, you 
you might not even get that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it the whole game we played uh, earlier this week. And you're right. I mean, it's very powerful, but there is a, I mean, there's an action to get it, you know, and it also allows you right, to do a yeah. minor improvement. Which is the trade-off. So, yeah, I, I, and I feel like that's a good thing. I feel like that's good game design because it it feels like you're missing out on kind of an action by taking that action. But if you need that minor improvement really bad and you've got one in hand that you really want to get out there and you get the first player token, that's a real good action for you because then you've got starting player the next turn, the next round. Um, so I kind of feel like by design, it, it, it can be a hindrance if you never really feel like you've got time to grab that and that can be yeah. frustrating. Yeah. But, you know thinking about how powerful having the first player token is, maybe it's always worth it to grab that, you know, if you don't have anything else that you have to do that round. Yeah. So I sort of, so I played it last night with, um, with my husband and with our friend Dave and, mm-hmm. um, I sort of ignored the first player token. Like I didn't mm-hmm. want to waste the action to take it. And the two right. of them were kind of like passing Fighting it back over. and forth. Yeah. And it really, it seemed to me at the end that it actually was worth it. They both had higher yeah. scores than me at the end. And I think yeah. a large part of it was because at various times they got to do what they wanted to do yes. first before anybody else. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of rounds where, you know, certain resources are piling up on a, on a cart or whatever, and it's not enough quite to like, you know, avoid something that you need to go after that. But then by the next round, when like, you know, three more would have been piled up on that cart and you realize, oh gosh, like cows are coming out. I need more stables. Right. And, or Mm -hmm. I need more, uh, you know, uh, pens or whatever. And so like having that first player token then would allow you to grab that wood. So getting it, you know early like before the round where you really need it you know is a good strategy and that might have been something that like dave was thinking about while playing that game was the timing of when to grab the the start player token the first player token and and when to take that over say like you know like an additional food that's just going to carry over to the next round or whatever this is one of the things that i think is actually pretty good about the game is that a lot of these games have a tendency to be sort of uh you know group solitaire like yeah yeah um but i don't think this one does if you want to play it really well you have to pay attention to what other people are doing um, because oftentimes if you use an action to basically screw over another opponent, it will actually also help you. Yeah. Um, instead of being a, a you know either or kind of, yeah. kind of situation. It is a much more competitive game. It's a much tighter experience than something like Feast for Odin, which is much broader and open and, you know, much more of that, you know, competitive solitaire experience than this. This one, you're definitely cutting each other off and sniping things from each other. And like I said, there's enough there's enough choice here on the board where you can still do something useful when that happens to you. But it gives you an advantage when you're doing it to somebody else, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other major thing that I, I mean, this is something that I've known about the game for a long time. It just sort of was hammered home to me when we played yesterday. It was um, that the game is really quick. I mean, I know it. Yeah. I, I know it, the, you know, the box says whatever, but right. Um, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can sort of turn through this game. And when the end of the game comes, I'm always like, oh, crap like there was so much i wanted to do (laughs) yeah yeah you know i also was very surprised at how quickly the game went because i guess we've just gotten so used to these like two to three hour behemoth games in the last 10 or 12 years (laughs) and so i think jocelyn and i played this game and finished it in about an hour so you know it went very quickly now part of that is that we've played the game plenty of times before and so we know all the actions on the board and everything so there's no like you know now what does this mean now what does that mean you know there's none of that while we're playing this game anymore we're very familiar with it But, like, still, it went a lot faster than a lot of other games that I think play around this weight. Um, And that was something that I, we got to the end, I was just like, holy cow, that was fast. Like, I feel like I could just throw this game down and play it again, and I kind of wanted to. Um, (laughs) But, you know, 
we go to bed early, so. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was surprised at how quickly it played. I think that I've sort of lost sight of how quick games were, you know, back in the aughts versus how how they've all kind of like crept upwards in the length of time it takes to play yeah. them in the in the two thousand and teens. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was talking to Dave afterwards, and he said uh, it was something I hadn't noticed, but he said. Uh, this is, you know, this is kind of the way that a lot of Uva Rosenberg games work. It usually has that sort of, it offers you a wealth of things to do, like build an empire and a like relatively short time to do it so that yeah. you always feel like, oh, there was so much more I could have done. Hmm. I don't know. I think we talked about this when we did uh, Feast for Odin that I don't oh, yeah. feel like I've played enough uh, Uwe Rosenberg games to necessarily make that call because I've played, what was it, Bonanza, which I yep. felt like went too long. I've right. played, uh, you know, Patchwork, which feels just right. And I've played this and I've played uh, uh, Feast for Odin. And Feast for Odin, I feel like, goes long. That's a longer game. And even though I think you even made the comment that, like, you felt like at the end of it you could have done more. I yeah. did point out that we only played the six-round game versus the seven-round game, so there is a way to play that game for one round more, which is probably just right, I think, in that in that game's case. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but so, I think that the the sort of wealth of options is what sort of gives you the, yeah. the kind of grand, you know, grand idea. Yeah. And then, you know, the end of the game comes up, and you're like, oh, but I didn't even get to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've only got a three-room house. Damn it! I want to go back. <laughs> yeah, I had these visions of like this like stone mansion, and uh-huh. I ended up with like a shanty. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I had a, I had a three-room clay house by the end. That could have been better. Right? Yeah, <laughs> this house is unacceptable. Yeah, <laughs> I I never got to a, a a cow pen. I just had a cow in my house. I had I had a cow. So uh, you can build a. So in order to have animals, you you can do it a couple ways. You can sort of fence in a pasture and put two animals. If you put a stable in that pasture, then you can have up to four animals. Um, and if you just have a stable with no pasture, you can have one animal. So I ended up with a stable with a cow and then a cow in my house. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The pet cow. The Yeah, Betsy. Yep, everybody's favorite optional pet because <laughs> post-plague, you might need to eat the pet. Exactly. Yeah, might as well be friends with hamburgers. <laughs> and cows make a lot of food, so. They do, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I, I, it sounds like Agricola holds up, uh, in both of our opinions, very, very well. Yeah, and I still enjoy it. Yeah, as far as our sort of, like, throwback to the classics, I think this is the winner between it and Puerto Rico, which is good, because it knocked Puerto Rico off that hotness list, or at least out of the first place <laughs> spot. So, so now they're both, um... like, down a bit, but... <laughs> So what does Agricola go for these days? Uh, like 35, 40 bucks, something like that, oh, I think. That I don't bad. know. I haven't been pricing it. Uh, it says here on Amazon, fifty three ninety nine. Oh, wow. So I was off a little bit. You were. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they give you a lot. It's, it's a deep game. It's got a lot of well-produced components. So this is one of those games that I think, you know, looking at a price in that 50 to $60 range feels appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you got it on sale for 40 bucks or something like that, I'd say that's a great deal, you know? That's a good deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Agricola holds up very well. I'd say that if you're at all interested in this game, you don't own it, I'd say that it's still a good purchase. Um, I feel like it even can exist in tandem with other Uve games, like, you know, at least judging from my experience with uh, A Feast for Odin, uh, because they do feel similar in terms of the mechanics, but they feel different enough in, in how tight they are and, and where they're focused and everything that I feel like I can play each one of these games and, and enjoy them both for what they are. So yeah. I don't feel like one eats the lunch of the other or anything like that necessarily. <laughs> Give me back my lunch. Yeah. I don't know. Is that how you feel, Jason? Yeah, definitely. I, two thumbs yeah. up for me. I, I okay. 
completely play this game. Awesome. I would play it right now if we had time and we were both in the same house. <laughs> I know. The constant uh, barrier. Uh-huh. Okay, everybody. Next week, we're going to do something a little different. There's been a bunch of little issues that we've noticed with how we felt about some of the things we've said on the podcast in the past. Things we've missed, maybe. Things that, you know, we wish we would have stated that we didn't get around to stating. Or things we just kind of want to, like, restate or clarify. So, next week on Limited Playtime, we are going to be doing what we're calling the housekeeping episode. (laughs) <laughs> where we're not going to be covering any one game in particular. We're not going to be covering any new games. Uh, we're just going to be going back and talking about several points that we'd like to go back to and revisit uh, to kind of like clarify some stuff that maybe we weren't clear on, but also just to kind of like clear our consciences about some things that we said that maybe we wish we had stated a little differently. <laughs> we're atoning for our sins. <laughs> yes, that's right. The penitent man shall pass. Yes. <laughs> So next week, look forward to us uh, sort of apologizing to the board game community in many different ways. (laughs) We're sorry. Jason, if they would like to get a hold of us with their own apologies or they would like to make demands about things that they feel we should apologize for, how would they do so? (laughs) Okay, well, to let us know how sorry we really should be, um, Uh you can email us. uh, It's podcast at uh, limitedplaytime.com. You can tweet us at limitedplaytime or you can go to the website limitedplaytime.com. All right. Uh, So we will be back in one week with the housekeeping episode of Limited Playtime. I'll see you in one week. Thanks for listening. Later. Bye.